Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Philippians 1, 3-11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Marcus. Well, I missed all of you uh, the last few weeks as we were on vacation, enjoying some R&R. We attended another church, uh, a pastor friend of mine, and though it was great to be with the saints, the whole time I was at church, I was missing being with these saints and so grateful and so grateful that we had planned to continue to in Philippians just for one more week. So grateful uh, for Mark Cowell for serving us the last two weeks out of the book of Philippians. So thanks, Mark, for serving us. So grateful to God for you. Uh, so we're going to continue just one more message and we'll jump back into First Peter next week. But Paul here is talking about thankfulness, actually thanking God for the saints at Philippi. And just a reminder, as Mark shared in previous weeks, just a little bit of the context of this passage. Paul is in prison in Rome. He was likely chained to guards. And the church of Philippi, they were a church that had been in need and given out of their need. But here's what's interesting as we come to this passage. There is no bitterness from Paul, who is in jail. There's no bitterness from the Philippians who are in great need, but rather they have affection for one another. And there's a pattern here in Paul's life that I think would be wise for us to emulate. I think it's something that all Christians should be emulating. So we're going to look at five reasons that Paul expressed gratefulness to God for the Philippians. And so five reasons we need to thank God for one another. So number one is just simply thankful to God for you. Look at verses three and four. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy. So Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks. Every time I think of you, I give thanks. He's in prison and he has all kinds of time on his hands and he prays to thank God for them. Now it's great to thank people 
when they serve you or do something kind for you, but it's something different to thank God for others first. Going the thankfulness, rather than going to them first, the thankfulness going to God and then going to them and telling them what you thank God for them about. And there's a pattern here in Paul's life. We're just going to, I'm just going to run through a bunch of, of texts in Romans 1. Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith proclaimed in all the world. In 1 Corinthians, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Colossians 1, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And first, Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And then 2 Thessalonians, we are always to give thanks to God for you. Again, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you in 2 Thessalonians 2.13. In 2 Timothy, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. And lastly, in Philemon 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. This wasn't just something he said to one of the churches in a letter. This was a pattern in his life. It was common throughout his communications with the church. Paul thanked God for them. And then he told them what he thanked God for them about. We need to do this. We need to be filled with gratitude for one another. So Paul's example actually exhorts us. Rather than him commanding it, he's showing his his example exhorts us to stop looking at the faults of one another. That's what his example does. It's exhorting us to stop looking at the faults, stop being critical and critiquing and cultivating this heart of thankfulness. We know as we study some of the other New Testament epistles that Paul wrote, that there were challenges that he had with those churches, but he started with thankfulness and he wanted to cultivate the heart of thankfulness. And it's great to thank one another, but the best way is to thank God first because it gives glory to God. And then after we thank God for someone and we go and communicate to them what we thank God for them about, it brings more glory to God. In fact, it even turns the attention away from us and turns their attention to God. So in us being thankful, we then become a means of grace from God to them in our expressing thankfulness. And as we thank, the the word thank in the original, it's ongoing. It's continuing to give thanks. So it's not just a one-time thing. This is a pattern. This is a habit. This is something that's been cultivated in the heart. Every time the Philippians come to mind, Paul thanks God for them. Every time they come to mind. Then, when he has the opportunity, he tells them what he thanked God for them about. God is glorified, and brothers and sisters are encouraged and built up 
in the faith. That's what happens. So when was the last time you stopped and thanked God for those around you? Let's just start right at home. When was the last time you thanked God for members of your family, the people that you live with? When was the last time you thanked God for the individuals in your small group or thank God in our faith family and, and it goes beyond? We often are tempted to rehearse ways in which they have let us down or recount, recount the faults that we see in others. But God calls us to something greater. So when we pray for others, starting with thankfulness, this is something that Wes and I have been doing since Wes came on staff here. We spend time in prayer every week before we have our weekly meeting. And when we start to pray, the first thing that we do is we thank God. We thank God for individuals in this faith family. We thank God for each and every one of you at different times, specifically by name about specific things, because we want this to be our habit. But here's something that I need to grow in is I've thanked God for you, but I don't always then in turn go, oh, wait, before we move on with our meeting, I want to make sure that I let them know what I thank God for them about. So I want to grow in that, in being a greater encouragement to make you aware of what we've thanked God for. So let's put this into practice, brothers and sisters. When you think of someone who does anything, that's encouraging to you. It doesn't even have to be something that they do for you, but something you see in their life. You give thanks to God for them and then take the next step and send them a text or write them a note and tell them what you thanked God for them about. So we want to thank God for others. Paul started with thankful to God for you. And then he moves on. He's thankful to be partnered with you in the gospel. It's our second point. Look at verse five. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. They're gospel partners. Gospel partners. They're not enemies. These are those who they are bound together as family because of the blood of Jesus. And so all the more we want to cultivate a heart of gratitude. Dr. Jim Roskup said this. He says, it is easier to pray for people when gratitude is a prominent seasoning in contrast to grumbling, fault finding, or resenting. It's totally easier to pray for people when we're grateful for them. Actually, we're probably motivated to pray more when we have a heart of gratitude. And it's easier to find gratitude in your heart when you're grateful. I'm not particularly good at gratitude when I go to prayer with a grumpy heart. I'm just not good at gratefulness when I go with a grumpy heart. And a pastor friend of mine, he articulated it well. I'm just going to use his words. He's, I would often rather pray, smite them, oh mighty smiter. Smite them, punish them. Oh, even smite them dead. 
And unfortunately, that is all too often what can characterize the church. Because we, we have important things, right? That we can fight over, like the color of the paint or the carpet or how close we should sit together or not. Friends, if you are harboring anger or bitterness in your heart, would you go before the Lord this morning and repent of that? Would you repent of that even right now? We're going to take communion together at the end of our time. And if you need to take that time, please take that time and get before the Lord. If you have unresolved conflict with one or more people, I understand you can't always resolve it in the moment because it does take two people, but you can do something right now. You can release that to the Lord. You can say, Father, forgive them. You cannot pray for people or build up the body when you're harboring bitterness in your heart or harboring resentment. There are times when we just need to leave it to the Lord. Praying for others is not just a suggestion. It's not just something, oh, that seems like good for a Christian to do. It's something that we are all called to do. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We're called to be intercessors for one another. Included in our prayers needs to be thankfulness and gratitude toward one another. Praying for others takes our focus off of ourselves and onto the sovereign Lord of the universe, who's the only one who can make a difference. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, brethren, I commend intercessory prayer because it opens man's soul. Give a healthy play to his sympathies, constrains him to feel that he is not everybody and that this wide world and this great universe were not after all made that he might be its petty Lord, that everything might bend to his will and all creatures crouch at his feet. When we go to pray, it does take the, uh, the focus off of us. And when we pray, we realize that the world does not revolve around us and it changes our perspective. Because we, we are, we're not going to pray unless we sense our dependency on God. And our hearts are revealed when we go to pray. Pastor Norm Miller said this. He said, God will reveal your heart when you sit down to intercede for others. If thankfulness doesn't flow, you have something to confess. I am convicted every single time I read that. When you go to pray for others, if thankfulness doesn't flow, you want to check your heart. You want to understand what's going on there. Because we are in partnership 
It says we're in partnership. That means we have a a mutual common interest. And that mutual common interest is to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That mutual common interest is the fact that we're part of the same family because of what Jesus did on the cross. So when we come and we read Paul and he says, you know, everyone, really? Everyone? I can pray for some people, but even many people, but I don't, do I have to pray for all of them? But let's see his heart. I mean, even in verses three to five, in all my remembrance, every prayer of mine, all with joy. Pastor Norm Miller also said, he said, I can see Paul sitting in prison going Going, well, God, I do pray for the Philippians. They're, they're a nice bunch of people. They have some problems and, and rehearse the problems. Maybe he could have rehearsed the problems a little bit in his mind. And sometimes they've let me down and they gave some money and uh, they probably could have given a little bit more. And some of them are not as easy to get along with. And that's the way we can often tend to pray. But that's not Paul's example. There's no grumbling here. There's no criticism Because here's a reality, friends. It's not easy to do life together. It's not easy to do life together in this church. It's not easy to do life together in your small group. It's not easy to do life together in your family sometimes. Why? Because there's a bunch of sinners in here. So I tell people who come to our church for the first time, I'm like, you haven't found the perfect church. In fact, one doesn't exist. The only one that does is if Jesus is in there and nobody else is there. It's not easy to do life together. And it's also not lost on me. After 15 years of pastoral ministry, it can be hard to pray for leaders in a church because sometimes we fail. Sometimes we fall short. Sometimes we drop the ball. Sometimes we disappoint. Sometimes we don't do the things that we should do. Or sometimes we don't articulate truth in a way that comes across lovingly and caringly. And sometimes we have hurt the sheep when we have desired and desperately prayed to help them. Some Folks go home after church and and have roast the pastor for dinner because thought he said something stupid or didn't like the illustration or we don't stop there because we don't like what some of the ministry team leaders are doing or we don't like the book that our small group leader picked or that study that we're going to do next week. We... We can criticize our spouse. We can criticize our parents. The call in this passage is to look towards one another and have gratitude in our hearts and thank God for them because we are partners with them in the gospel. G. Walter Hansen said, those who belong to this koinonia enjoy a friendship deeper than the blood relationship of brothers and sisters on the basis of their mutual participation in the saving work of Christ announced in the gospel. 
The partnership here that's talked about isn't talking about, we just go to the same church. We find the same address that we show up together at or the same website to jump on because we're worshiping at home right now. No, the partnership that's talked about here in this passage is the partnership in the mission to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the partnership. That's what we have in common. Our nuclear families that we live with, they only last maybe 60 or 70 years. But when you look around this church family and our larger church family that we're connected to with all the believers around the world, that family lasts forever. We're not united by our political beliefs or uh, some social cause. We're not united by traditions or musical preferences. We're not united by the color of our skin or because there's a bunch of diversity of the color of our skin. We're not united by our age or, or because there's a wide diversity of our age. We're united because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of God. That's what unites us. And we can't take lightly this unity that we have in Christ. It can be easy to drift and disengage. Why? Because our brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes they frustrate us. Sometimes they just get under our skin. Here's the reality, friends. Sometimes you get under their skin. That's part of being in a family. There is no such thing as a perfect family. I know some of you may have seen some families in our church and you're like, oh, that's the perfect family. I guarantee you, if you go into their house, there's someone at the dinner table when mom and dad turn the other way or somebody smacks them upside the head. That's what my brother used to do to me. I did far worse things to him. I guarantee you, it, it is, I am not proud but he was amazing. As soon as my parents left the room, he just reached across. He had these long arms. And then of course I'd yell at him and then I'd get in trouble. And we all have that. We are all sinners that need a savior. But Paul is pouring his heart out because he cannot help but be thankful for the partnership that he has with the Philippians. Are you gauging, engaging in fellowship with others with the awareness that you are partners with them in this mission of the gospel? It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. But honestly, when I think about this church, I am overwhelmed with gratitude. I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. That's why I couldn't stop thinking of you as we're worshiping at another church. I don't think I judged the, the way they did service or anything like that, and they were certainly nice, but I was just longing for you because I'm so grateful to God. I can't think about our church staff or our small group leaders or ministry team leaders without being overwhelmed with gratitude. You aren't alone. You're part of a body. So do you stop and take time to thank God for others and tell them what you thank God for them because you are partners in 
the gospel. So we may be thankful for gospel partnership. But also what helps us is when we are aware that God is working in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we look at them and we seek to find how God is working. So number three, we're thankful that God is working in you. Paul see the grace of God in them. Look at verse six. He says, I am sure of this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I'm not always sure of a lot of stuff. I'm not always sure that God is working in my life. There's times I get so discouraged, I wonder if I'm a Christian. I understand, I I believe I'm a Christian. I have the assurance of my salvation. But emotionally, I can get to the place where I'm just not sure, is God working? Is God working in my life? Will God ever work in my life again? Have you ever felt that way before? I don't don't see God working. In fact, I feel like everything I do just makes it worse. But Paul, rather than pointing out in the Philippians, here's, here's the ways that you need to grow. No, he goes, I am sure of something. I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What an amazing blessing it is when you have someone in your life that says, I am sure of this. I see the grace of God at work in your life. And, and here's where it is. They specifically come and they tell us this is where the grace of God is at work in your life because we forget where God is working. So the question I have for you is, are you that person? Are you that person? Do we say, I thank God for you. and I see God at work in you and then seek to point out specifics, not just general, oh, I thank God, but no, I see this thing in your life. We're all eager to have someone do that for us. We want our wife or our husband to do that for us. We want our parents to do that for us. We want our friends to do that for us. But do we do that? There are two couples that I I receive lots of encouragement from the folks in our faith family. Many of you have given me much encouragement. But there's two couples I want to mention briefly. The Cowles and the Andersons. Mark, who served us preaching, Dwayne and Bonnie Anderson. Mark and Lynn, Dwayne and Bonnie. Mark and Dwayne served as pastors for decades. Okay. I think they've preached probably five to 10 times more than I have preached. They've cared for God's people well. Now they're in a season of retirement, but they're continuing to pour out. They're pouring into our local church. And so if there's anyone in our church that could come to me and help me to grow because they would be aware of the things that I don't do well, it would be these two couples, right? And I love seeking out their input and they're very gracious, but you know, I constantly get encouragement from them. 
In fact, just this morning, we're trying to figure out some things. Last minute, had some sound issues. Mark comes up to me, and he doesn't come up to me and be like, did you listen to my message? Did you hear what I did? No, he came up to me, and he just wanted to thank me for being here. And that's characteristic of him every time we connect. Oh, this is what I thank God for what's going on in our church and and such an encouragement to me. So the one's most position to give the most accurate critique express their gratefulness. But do you know what it does in my heart? I mean, one, it helps me sometimes to scrape myself off off the floor when I'm so discouraged and I just want to throw in the towel and, and go mow yards. Whenever the summer comes around, I'm like, oh, that's a joyous job. They put headphones on and no one says anything to them. And they cut the grass and when they're done, it's done. And the grass doesn't talk back. It's awesome. I want to do that. There's days I'm there. So yeah, it lifts me up. But here's the other thing that happens. I all the more want to go to them and say, will you help me? So it not only encourages me and builds me up, it, it opens my heart to be more humble, to grow. So God gets so much done when we go and we notice that God is working in the lives of our brothers and sisters. Do you say this, verse six and seven, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Look at Paul's heart right here in the passage He's not just saying, I want to encourage you. I can't help but encourage you because I hold you in my heart. I have such affection for you because we're partakers of this grace. Remember this grace that has been given to us. He's aware of what Christ has done on the cross. He's aware of his sinfulness and the absolute amazing mercy that has been poured out upon him. And he's saying, yeah, you are that partaker as well. And we're partakers of this together. And I just love you so much. It's almost like he's given them, wanting to give them like one of those hugs where you just want to feel like your head's going to pop off because he just loves them so much. And he knows he's going to, God's going to bring this about to completion. He knows that God is the one that chose before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's what he says in Ephesians. He knows our faith is not completely of our doing, so he's acknowledging that God started this work in them, and we acknowledge that God has started a work in our brothers and sisters in Christ. He's working right now. All you have to do is stop for just a few minutes and look, and you can see God at work. I guarantee it. We not only find comfort knowing that God's at work in us, because oftentimes when we read this passage, we read this for us. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Absolutely, we should hold on to that for us, but we should also have this be what frames the way that we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's what helps us to be patient with them. 
It helps us to be patient with them when they sin against us and they need to grow because we need to grow. Parents, this is what can help you to be patient with your children. Teens, college students, this can help you to be patient with your parents. They need to grow. Whether they've acknowledged that or not, I can assure you they need to grow. We talked about that in my house recently, talking with my oldest daughter about how she's seen me grow, how there may be things I do a little bit differently with some of the younger children in our house than I did with her. And she's like, I'm not bitter. And she meant it. She was acknowledging that God was at work in my life and has helped me to grow because I need to grow. So kids, you can hold on to this and trust that God's at work in your parents. So when you're like half cocked, like, no, they don't know what they're talking about. They might not. But here's what I know. They need Christ and they need to know that God's at work in them. Be patient with your spouse as they grow. Small group member, be patient with that person who seems to drive you up a wall and back down again because God's at work in them. Now, now I understand this is not unqualified thankfulness. As you read through Paul's letters, there are times where there are those who have opposed the gospel, those who've sinned against him, So it doesn't mean that there's never a need for a process of reconciliation. There are definitely times where there's a need for a process of reconciliation with brothers and sisters in Christ with whom we've had differences. But he does mean the accent should be on cultivating thankfulness and an awareness of God's activity in their life. You've had to grow. So no that they they have to grow in Christ. There is a tender affection provoked in us when we are aware of God's working in our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe you know someone who's worked on a project and you don't want to touch it because they're really good at that and you don't want to mess that up. They're working on a project and you can appreciate that and you trust, ah, you can see that it's not done yet and you want to say something, but you know, they're in process because you've, you've seen them finish other things and you know that's going to turn out really cool. That's what's happening in each and every brother and sister in Christ in our faith family. There's a project that's going on. There's a conforming to the image of his son that's going on. There's a work that Christ began at conversion and is working in them. They will bring it about at the day of completion when we see Jesus face to face. So there's a project at work. You may see some of the things that still need to be done, but you aren't the Holy Spirit, but you can appreciate God working in them and trust God to work and be excited about what is going to happen. You can be excited about the final result, even though the final result isn't here yet. Because he who began a good youth in you will bring it about to completion. Going on to verse 8, we want to be thankful when we're apart. When we're apart, I miss you. Thankful when I miss you. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul was not with them 
but he was longing to be with them. When was the last time you communicated you yearned to be with, with your other, with your faith family? You might say, well, I like you. I think you're nice. Maybe I tolerate you and I, I enjoy you sometimes. But Paul's not just talking about just common conversation, icebreaker things. Paul is not someone who only loves truth and doctrine. Paul is broken over his own insufficiencies and a man who is aware of how his brothers and sisters in Christ have been an overwhelming blessing to him. Lord, help us to be a more affectionate people. Is your affection for your brothers and sisters in Christ growing in this season? You longing to be with them. The place where we start to cultivate this affection is through prayer. Because Paul thanks God for them, verses 3 to 8, and then, then he prays. Look at verses 9 to 11. And this is my prayer. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to give to the glory and praise of God. This is my prayer, Lord, bless them. I asked a pastor friend of mine, what happens when I'm struggling with an individual? I want, I just, I want to love on them and I want to be godly to them, but for some reason we're not connecting. He's like, Jamie, look here. Pray that God would bless them. And then immediately what comes to mind is that smite your mighty smiter, please smite them. That's where I want to go. But boy, it was so, wait a minute. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this because I believe in an almighty God who saved them and they are washed in the blood of Jesus and I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. So the right thing is because we're, we're all going to the same place as I want to pray this way that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment in them. Lord, that they would approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless at the day of Christ, that they'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God because it's not about me. It's not about how I feel. That is what they need most because that is what I need most. So we have to be thankful for the privilege to pray for them. And so as we cultivate this practice through prayer, it can move us towards Paul's practice. Constantly giving thanks. Taking steps to specifically and tangibly give thanks to God and then tell others what we thank God for them about. Do it with care. Do it with love. Do it with affection towards one another. Remember this. Paul was a man who hated the church. We go back to the book of Acts. Paul was a man who hated the church and he was transformed by the power of the gospel. Then he lived a life with overwhelming affection for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's my prayer 
because we've already, it's my prayer that we would continue to be this and we would even grow in this because this is not a corrective message. I've absolutely seen this in our midst, but this needs to be foundational for us. It, it almost should be another attribute for us. It might be the unwritten attribute because thankfulness is what should flow out of us when we're most aware of what Christ has done in us and in our brothers and sisters in Christ. So may we go and thank God or our brothers and sisters in Christ, for those in our household, and then go and tell them that we thank God for them about. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would help us to grow in thankfulness. Lord, mark our prayers by thankfulness. Lord, would you season our prayers with thankfulness? And Lord, in so doing, would you change our hearts? And then as you change our hearts, would you reconcile relationships that need to be reconciled? Would you bring encouragement to those who are discouraged? Father, my prayer is that as a church, we individually and corporately would, would pray like this. And when we talk to others, Father, I pray, as we talk with others outside our church, would we say, yeah, I thank my God for these people. And when we interact with one another, would we remind each other what we thank God for them about, remind one another that God is at work and he's going to bring it about to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Would you help us to do that, Lord? In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.